This is Mark Fletcher, and welcome to my world. Welcome to Southern Tales, Tall and Otherwise. In 1972, a movie was made about the life of Buford Pusser, a lawman at McNary County, Tennessee. Most, if not all, of the movie was shot on location in West Tennessee. As life would have it, one scene was shot less than a half mile from our house. We lived in Whitthorn in Carroll County. The road is now called State Route 220, but we all called it the Atwood Highway then, and not far from our house was a place we kids called the Three Bridges, because there were three bridges over the Rutherford Fork of the Obion River, and we used to go there all the time. And like I say, it's just a southern thing, so sit back and enjoy. Southern Tales, Episode 10, Buford Pusser and the Bootleggers. The movie was called Walking Tall, and when it came out in 1973, it became a huge cult hit. In the South, it was as big as Star Wars, and Buford Pusser became a legend overnight. And, as fate would have it, Buford became friends with my dad. I was just a little kid, but on the two or three occasions where Buford was in our house, I was listening in my room, which was just off the kitchen. And while there may be some disputes about the actual facts, this is the way I remember it. And in my opinion, every goddamn word is true. Before I start the story about Buford and the bootleggers, as told by him and heard by me and my dad, I want to go back a little bit to the history of Adamsville, Tennessee. In 1977, I played in the first or second Buford Pusser Memorial Tennis Tournament in Adamsville, Tennessee. As I remember it, they only had two tennis courts, but it was a big deal. And it might have been during Buford Pusser Week or whatever. And, and while I knew who Buford Pusser was, everybody around there knew who Buford Pusser was. Uh, I didn't really know the history of Adamsville. Now, I asked my older brother about 
Adamsville and Buford Puster. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're going to Adamsville to play tennis. He says, you know what they say in Adamsville, don't you? I said, what do they say? He goes, it's the home of Ray Blanton, and it's where Buford Puster is buried, and they wished it was the other way around. Now, Ray Blanton was a governor who wound up being convicted of selling pardons to convicted felons, and so he went to jail. And so that was really, um, I guess he was still alive then. Maybe he was in jail, but think about that. It's where Ray Blanton is from, and Buford Pusser is buried, and they wished it was the other way around. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, as we've talked before, back in those days, most of Tennessee was either dry or had some sort of limitation on what was allowed that you could buy. Like, if you did allow beer sales, you'd have a blue law that prohibited beer sales on Sunday. And most beer sales would be limited to midnight, or that's when it would end. And every county had its own peculiarities. Like, many allowed you to sell beer, but not wine or liquor. I, I understand that in Corinth, Mississippi, sometime in the early 80s, they voted out beer on one day and voted in liquor the next, which was kind of backwards, it seemed to me. But, hey, man, it's in the South, right? Um, I always figured, though, that that's why my dad was such a, f- a fanatic about the VFW. You see, private clubs, or at least in our neck of the woods, could do what they liked. At the local VFW, the Wiley Post branch, every member had a key card that would open up the door, which I thought was extremely cool when I'm like eight or nine years old. Occasionally, I would get to go inside, usually like on the afternoon when Pop had to pick up some business papers or something I never knew, but inside was a whole different world. I mean, to me, it was like Las Vegas. You'd walk in there, and they had these old one-armed bandit slot machines. I'm sure they were illegal. You know, the kind where all they had was fruits like lemons, cherries, and oranges on the wheels, and you could put quarters in the spin. Uh, sometimes it would dump quarters out. They had a shuffleboard table and a long, cool bar like you see on TV. I could imagine Jim Rockford being in one of these bars. It was dark and smoky, and I, I thought I just thought that was the coolest thing. And, of course, I didn't know they had a card game in the back where several notorious gamblers lived. That might explain why I love Las Vegas to this day. Anyway, back to Buford and my dad. The first thing you have to know is my dad. He had a way of being around famous people and knowing all the right moves. Like, for instance, um, he never would put a candidate's bumper sticker on the car until the day after the election. That way, he was always known to support the winner. And that was sometimes important in rural Tennessee anyway. Uh, But somehow, and I have no idea how, but during the filming of this movie, which a scene was filmed just down the road from our house, uh... Buford Pusser, the man himself, took refuge in our kitchen with my dad. Now, I don't know if they drank. My dad only drank to look social, but never drank much, as far as I could tell. I could see him nursing a Tom Collins for days. So, on this night, Buford was sitting at our kitchen table, and they were swapping stories. And, and I have heard all kinds of Buford stories, but I've not heard many where he's a friendly, funny guy. But... From what I could tell, being a little kid listening, and and listen, my dad and I did talk about it years later. Um, That's sort of how I remember the stories, but but here he was. And he told my dad several stories about his work with the Alcoholic Beverage Commission, 
what some um, hill folk commonly refer to as them damned revenuers. Uh, you know, occasionally they ask law enforcement folks from different parts of the state to come and assist them in sting operations as their faces weren't really known there. So we lived in West Tennessee, but apparently Buford had been asked to help a state agent, Walter was his name, work undercover in Coffee County, Tennessee. Now, Walter had been a Nashville Metro detective, but had retired and became a state ABC agent. Walter was also bald and big as a barn door. Now, old Walter had a passion for bonded whiskey. They used this term, and I didn't know, it, didn't know what it meant, but Google says this means that the bourbon was made at a single distillery by one distiller in one distillation season, aged for at least four years in a federally bonded and supervised warehouse, and it was at least 100 proof. Anyway, besides that... Uh, Walter and Buford had been assigned to work undercover against bootleggers and also some nightclubs that had violated liquor laws. Coffee County was a dry county at that time regarding drinks in nightclubs, but package stores were okay. Uh, Buford met Walter in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and that lies somewhere between Nashville and, and Manchester, which is in Coffee County. Uh, and of course, Walter along with all of his ex expertise, brought along a fifth of black velvet whiskey. I, I thought that was a cool name for whiskey, which they immediately started to sample. I mean, like, you know, to keep the snakes off, right? And, and it worked. Uh, Coffee County, here they come. After they checked in the motel, they met with a local sheriff at the time who was also a former ABC agent, and he completely understood their investigative techniques, if you know what I mean. So he gave, he gave the boys a quick tour around town or the county, I'm not really sure. And he said, listen, guys, you go anywhere you want to. I ain't holding back or protecting anybody. So with not much more direction than that, here goes Walter and Buford in a beat-up old station wagon that a car dealer had loaned the sheriff for them to use. They immediately got some bogus Alabama tags, put on this Tennessee car, and headed out into the night. Soon, they came across a mom-and-pop type of grocery store somewhere out in the sticks. The store had beer signs displayed outside, and the store had a home attached to the back of the building. Walter and Buford entered the store, told the young lady behind the counter that they were up there from Alabama working construction on the interstate, needed to buy them some drinking whiskey. The very nice, attractive young lady said, Sorry, sir, but we only sell packaged beer to go. So Walter goes over the cooler, he buys two quarts, and they walked out of the store and they sat down in the parking lot in that old station wagon. And Walter told Buford, now Buford's a young guy at this time, right? He, he, he hadn't been you know, in law enforcement that long. I guess he's somewhere in his early, mid-20s. And Walter's a retired Metro detective from Nashville, so he's kind of giving the rope. So Walter said, listen, here's the plan, Buford. You and I... We're going to sit here drinking this beer with our car radio cranked up real loud, playing some good old country music, of course, and we're going to start cussing real loud. Buford, who was young, and this was one of his first rodeos, was thinking, huh? Walter went on to explain his brilliant flash of inspiration by saying, we will be so loud and cussing and then we'll go back into the store and try to buy some drinking whiskey again. And if they sell it, 
They will sell it to us just to get rid of us. Now, wasn't that brilliant? Of course, after all that cussing, it was Buford who Walter sent back inside <laughs> while Walter remained in the car. Buford, he'd been a Marine, and he only thought he knew how to cuss until he heard Walter, who could literally make a sailor blush. Buford, still not really agreeing or understanding the plan, headed back into the store. But the girl was gone, apparently into the attached house. There, sitting in a rocking chair next to a chest-type deep freeze, was an elderly gentleman with the biggest, baddest 45 caliber automatic pistol lying by his hand. This was the biggest one Buford had ever seen. <laughs> so the old man said, uh, Your buddy thinks he's bad, don't he? Buford, however, was thinking, Not as bad as you, because old Walter is faking, and you're the real thing. But Buford had to tell him something, so he said, um, Ah, he's good as gold when he ain't drinking, but when he's had one or two, he sure can get foul-mouthed. The old man said, uh, Yeah, well, I don't appreciate that cussing, and you boys done been told we don't sell no liquor. All we's got is packaged beer, and that's to go. Well, pursuant to Walter's instructions, Buford bought two more quarts for Walter and him to consume as they continued their investigation. Buford hustled back to the car and quickly told Walter of the old man and the pistol. So Walter, in his magnificent wisdom, says, Well, we'll just sit out here a little longer and continue to cuss and raise hell, and we'll try him one more time. So uh, he started drinking the beer, and not long after, a large dump truck pulled up and a meaner look has never been received than the one that driver gave. He parked the truck and went inside the store. Now, Buford immediately figured this was maybe a son-in-law or some badass local enforcer. And boy, did Buford smell trouble. Sure enough, here comes this dude outside with both fists doubled up and accompanied by the old man who had the forty-five stuck down his belt. Old man says, boys... I told y'all we don't sell no liquor, and I don't allow no beer drinking on the premises. You best get yourselves down the road, for I calls the law on you. Now, being the nice, law-abiding, undercover lawman that Buford was, he immediately agreed with the old man and assured him they didn't want no trouble with the law. So, deliberately impersonating a drunken driver, Buford immediately took their butts out of there, weaving back and forth on down the road. When they'd gotten out of sight, Buford stopped the car, told Walter, next time you have a brilliant idea, your ass will be the one going back inside. For the liner notes this episode and all episodes of the Southern Tales podcast, 
please go to broadneckmusic.com where you can find out more info, information about the episode and, and even, well, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. You'll also find out more about our kick-ass theme music from T.R. Crooks, a little band from Paris, Tennessee, recorded in 77. If you have any stories of your own or any questions, contact us at our email address, stalespodcast at gmail.com. We may put your story on a podcast coming up soon. And we also will have a podcast where we answer some questions. Anyway, if you enjoy it, if you do get a smile out of it, please tell at least one person about the fun we're having at Southern Tales. See you next week on Southern Tales. Southern Tales.